The Breakdown Politics with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies telling you what you need to know regarding politics breaking it down politics Not a Halloween themed show. <laughs> well, I mean, arguably based on some of the topics. Because this is a trumpeting nightmare. Well, yeah, some of the topics are very nightmarish. That's I what mean. I was. That's I, 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 I will say this: it's not Halloween. Although I am going to start, I do my Halloween marathon, my movie marathon between September. September 1st and the end of October, and now I'm being so anal about it, I'm, gonna, I'm starting to mess with the playlist now. And it's only midway through June, you know. But it's, it's basically, it's one of those things where it's like real life is almost worse than what you could think of in the movies. Case in point, all right, we're going to start with the meat and potatoes. And then I, I kind of jumped the gun here. Of course, you know, you heard from uh, Mr. Blue. We have uh, Odie in the house. Good evening, Odie. Hey guys, good evening. And we have Mercedes in the house. Good evening, Mercedes. Hello. So we're going to start with the meat and potatoes today because I didn't want to. I didn't want to miss this one. Uh, Ray Shard Brooks, uh, African American gentleman who was uh, killed by the police in uh, Atlanta, which caused uh, riots, and then they burned down the Wendy's where he was shot. So we're just gonna just. I'm just gonna open up the floor. Did you guys actually watch the video? Nope, I did. And I'm going to tell you why I watched it. Y'all know I'm squeamish and I normally don't watch videos. Is that GPS? Yeah, that's, that's blue. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, so I did watch the video. And the reason I watched it is because um, it took me a while to watch everybody else's. Because this has been an ongoing issue over the past couple months. Some video to watch one of another black person either be killed or lynch or whatever you want to call it. This shit's so sad right now. I put very few words to it, but I watched it. I don't know why I watched it. The majority of the video was talking. There was only about two seconds at the end when it actually happened. And I just wanted to see the whole, did he run away and was he shot in the back? And yes, he was. So let's go ahead and get into it. But that's why I watched it. Now, I will say this. You know, it's funny. I was talking to my dad about it yesterday. And because uh, he, he saw the video. And this is where I'm going to lose some people, but I want you to bear with me. I was telling him yesterday, the cops were pretty much in the right until they shot him. Because, all right, figure it like this. They called the cops on him because, and this, and this kind of goes into hold the fun thing, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the guy was uh, passed out in a, in a drive-thru. So I don't know if he was actually in the drive-thru or in the parking lot. But I think they said he was in the drive-thru and he, he passed out. So a pair of cops come up. They give him a sobriety test, a field sobriety test, which he fails. Now, the video that I saw, I didn't see. I saw the part where it kind of like transitioned over. So they had the scuffle that took place in, you know, it kind of went from the dash cam. And then they saw where it took over on the, um, on the parking lot security. So number one. He was, uh, 
at least according to cops. I don't, I don't trust cops like that. But he was, and I mean, granted, it's not that much of a stretch if he was passed out in the drive-thru to say that he was probably intoxicated, okay? Um, or high as fuck. Yeah, probably. So he, um, in the video I saw, the cops were trying to arrest him. He was resisting arrest. And he starts wrestling with the cops, and then he grabs one of the cops' tasers, right? So he's trying to run away. The cop's trying to grab him. He takes a swing at the cop in order to get away, right? And then he starts to run. So now you have the cop who lost his taser in the scuffle, and then the other cop with his taser is chasing him. So there's a part where he tur- where the, um, where Ray Shard turns and he fires the taser at the cop. But then right after that, the cop who lost his taser shoots him in the back, kills him. Now, and like I said, I mean, you don't get high and fall asleep in parking lots, okay? You don't resist arrest. You don't take a swing at the cops. You don't take their tasers. You're not supposed to run. So all that, he was wrong. I'm not going to dispute that. But a taser is not a deadly weapon. You know he didn't have a gun because he had your taser. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you know that taser is not going to kill anybody. Not unless the, you know, not unless he gets really, really lucky. And the fact that the cop's only response was to shoot. Now, tell my dad, what if, the, uh, what if these cops were in a pair of donut-eating pudge buckets? What if they actually chased him down and they, they pancaked him? And let's say he fell wrong and he uh, broke his wrist. Or he fell wrong and he hit his head in the concrete and he got a concussion. I can't do nothing for you. Because you were supposed to be doing all that. But him shooting him like that was such a disproportionate response. He's probably just mad because he was embarrassed because two cops couldn't handcuff one dude. Let me ask you a question. Is there no no handcuff school when it comes to cops? Like, do they not know how to handcuff people? Watch Criminal Minds, how they handcuff people. Yes, they're actors. I realize it's a fictional show. I'm not an idiot. But... There's got to be some lessons in that show that these cops could do in real life because every time I see these videos where they're resisting arrest, the cops don't know how to handcuff people. There was two of you in one of him. It wasn't like he was on PCP. Not that we know of. But well, I saw, I saw one thing that was wrong before um, he, he was ever shot. Um, when they handcuffed him, he didn't explain why. He just said, well, I think you had too much to drink, so put your hands behind your back. It's not how that should have went. He should have explained in detail what he was doing as part of his job description. He's supposed to tell exactly why he's handcuffing and why he's detaining them, and he did not do that. Well, that goes into the whole point of the fund, because when you have somebody in that state, you're basically, um, I know I'm getting the saying wrong, but when you're a hammer, everything else looks like nails, you know? That's yeah, not a situ- that's not a situation. Every problem looks like a nail or something like that. Yeah. Right, right. So that was definitely not something where they, like I said, they should just have people who know how to handle these situations and maybe have a cop in the background in case something goes south, right? But the but the whole fact that you're asking these cops, who's basically their whole mantra is shoot first and let the coroner short sort them out. How'd that work out this time around? My thing is, okay, I just, I saw that, that, that Trump supporter, uh, that I went to school with, 
mm. the black Trump supporter um, mm. saying that you couldn't compare the two. But the reason, obviously, I have a problem with that with that stance, um, is because. But don't haven't we seen images of the police treat actual murderers with more compassion, white murderers with way more compassion. Yes. Then so, so it's like, bitch, get the fuck out of here. Like at the end of the day, we've seen um we've seen white people get away with some really foul shit. Uh whether it's just talking stuff, like talking shit to a police officer or leading them on these ridiculous high speed chases, actually resisting arrest getting into scuffles, obtaining the taser, still running off, um, and still manage. Like, I've also seen testimonials, too, where white people talked about how they had a DUI and they, uh, or they were caught, like, drunk driving and just was given a ride home. (laughs) Shit like that. So it's like, like, we know that y'all are capable of compassion. And the only way you can convince me that this isn't race related as if y'all was applying the same ridiculous logic to all criminals but y'all don't do that shit you only well, do it to black people well there was a guy who was and this happened over the weekend as well there was this white guy he ended up taking the lives of a woman and or two women and a child or something like that and he goes yep. naked butt ass naked and even had the cops running from him and when they finally got to him, it was probably about 30 cops when they finally got a hold of him. But they tased him and detained him with some cuffs and took his naked, murderous ass in. Yeah. The cop was literally running from him. He, was, he threw something at him. And then he took off running and he turned around to try to get him again. And then, of course, backup and everything came. But they literally treated him like, like they should have, really. Like the Atlanta police should have treated him. Yeah. I mean, you get in a situation where someone's not in their right mind and you antagonize them, right? How do you think that was going to end up, you know? Because usually the whole thing is you want to kind of calm them down, you know, and let them know, let them know the situation and then just be like, hey, listen, you know, uh, we're going to give you this summons. You got to come to court because, you know, but you're not fit to drive. So we'll get you an Uber or we'll, or we'll give you a ride home. You know, I don't even have to handcuff you, something like that. But they just, they're like, okay, well, you fail to feel sobriety trust, so we're going to arrest you, you know. And it, it's it's easy for me to be armchair quarterback because I'm not a cop, you know. Right. I, don't, I don't have to make decisions like that, you know. But it's, it's the kind of thing where you have to have a game plan, you know. Now, here's the thing. Once again, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? If you, if there was a situation where they were like, there's a drunk guy running down the street, you know, screaming at people, taking swings at people. Yeah, you can go in with that with your fist balled up a little bit, right? But yeah, the guy's passed out in his car. Okay, uh, let's let's handle it a little bit differently than we normally would, you know. And they just always go in with the whole notion of, you know, I, I can't even, I can't even explain. You know it. how like, it's, it's absolutely, it's the same thing over and over in a loop. 
you know? You know how in the movies, like, they have a scene uh, where, like, you, it's, like, usually an intense scene. They're going into a house and kind of sweeping it and seeing if there's anybody um, still in there. And it's, and it's a cop, obviously. It's a cop's looking around. Um, and as soon as they see something, they either yell, bomb or gun. And then, like, everybody freaks out and, like, runs away or, like, tries to just keep themselves safe along with the rest of the team. Right. In my mind, I feel like in real life what's happening is, I don't mean to laugh because it's not funny at all, but I feel like what they're saying, like, what they're doing when they approach a scene is they're sweeping it, and then they they see a Black man and they or a Black person, and they yell, Black! like didn't expect that to happen here like oh about to change the whole game plan y'all already know what time it is like that is the that is the triggering word the word that's like oh we this this situation is gonna go different yeah um, but yeah some bullshit i'm tired of it I'm really, really tired. And, yeah, and, and, and the thing is, I, I, I became an old man for a second there. And then it's funny, I became an old man, and, and even my dad put some reason to it. Because I was like, why do you have to burn down the Wendy's? It's not like Wendy was there screaming, kill him, kill him. You know, why do you have to burn down the Wendy's? But my dad was like, yeah, they were probably just angry because they're the ones that called the cops on them. And they don't know what, what they said to make the cops, you know, go after them like that. And I was like, damn, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what I was thinking too. And they burned that shit to the ground. Um, Atlanta has been in an uproar lately with all the prior protests and everything else. This is only going to make matters worse. Yeah, and, and and keep one thing in mind: the protest is still going on. It's just that because the cops aren't out there antagonizing people, and the protests have been peaceful, they're just not televising it. But the protest is still going on. So let's not think that we've already moved past this. And this is and this right here was not helping, but it was a, a horribly disproportionate response. You know the only weapon he had was your partner's, was, was his taser, and he already discharged it, <laughs> tried to run away. And, you know, he did not deserve, I mean, yeah, what he did was stupid. I'm never going to deny that, but he didn't deserve to die over it. Well, let's talk about the fact that they fired the police immediately, that cop that shot him, like, immediately. It was less than 24 hours. I think it was less than 12. Yeah, they was had, yeah, they probably saw that footage and they were just like, yeah. We're... But then again, I don't even know what's about that because the whole thing with um, Ahmaud Arbery, look how long they had, look how long, how long they were sitting on that evidence. But right now, with all the protests going on, everybody's hypersensitive. So they're like, okay, we got we to gotta move quickly. Or, and the police uh, chief resigned, correct? Yeah, the police chief resigned. He did. Yeah. But see, my thing is, I don't even understand why he would resign in this situation because he wasn't. I was confused about that as well. I yeah. really was. Like, he wasn't a part of it at all. It was late at night and he was at 1049 to be exact. He wasn't at work. Why did he resign? Yeah. He wasn't in the field. He wasn't around. So might, it, that, might, that yeah, confused that's... me. There might be something else that will probably be uncovered later, but yeah, if there's I'm something pretty... that they uncovered and he knows that that's coming down the pipe, then that's where that came into play. It was like, fuck this, I'm getting out of Dodge before I'm forced to leave. Yeah, maybe. it's like it's like people that plead guilty, uh, 
to like triple homicide so they, so they escape the, the electric chair or the, or the, the, the needle. And just take and just opt for life in prison. So in his case, he just opted for you know what? Uh, it's like you can't fire me because I quit. <laughs> right. So. Right. Well, aside from that situation, um, there was like this whole social media uproar about. Um, I can't remember who made the comment, but um, it was about like you know, of course, like people say this all the time about the black community hurting the black community, blah blah blah, whatever. Yeah. So over the past about four days unfortunately where i live which i've seen it has been happening in a few other places too but there's been like a crazy rise in black people killing black people just last night um well night before i think there was a security guard who was killed by someone who was heavily intoxicated um i'm not sure what north carolina state laws are but um after working in the bar for so long i learned that here in South Carolina, if the person comes into a restaurant or a bar or a club um, visibly intoxicated, you can't serve him any more drinks. Mm-hmm. And the security guard told him to leave. And I'll, I'll post a link for you guys to see. The security guard, you know, told him, well, we can't serve you anything, you know, can't have any drinks. Sorry. And um, I think they may have even told him to leave. Um, or maybe he left on his own, but either way, he went out to his car, he got a gun, he came in through a back unoccupied entrance, it was like it was, no one was monitoring that entrance, a back entrance, he wasn't even from here, he wasn't from Greenville, he was from Spartanburg, which is about 45 minutes up the road, he uh, kicked in the back door, came in and shot the security guard and killed him, all because he couldn't drink anything else, now, again, he was heavily intoxicated to the point where it was visible to those around him who were sober, which means... I can only imagine what where his mind was once he sobered up. Like you're about to go to jail for the rest of your life because you wanted a shot of Hennessy. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, and and then that once of course our local news start putting the stuff out there. Like you know how they'll some news places on Facebook they'll do like live feeds and or whatever when a situation is going on. It was so many hateful comments. Um, it was like one lady was like someone they're out here protesting, but look at them killing each other. You know. And it was weird because we only knew the race of the person that died. Some of us, of course, who weren't there, we weren't sure what the race of the person that actually did the shooting was. But people had already decided in their minds that it was, well, race people right. had already decided in their minds that it was black on black crime. So, yeah, but clearly that's a problem. And I know, we know that black on black crime is a problem. But the last thing we need is anybody from an outside source to speak on it because it's none of your goddamn business. Now, but we do I, need to fix it with them. I'm going to get yelled at for this, okay? So I want you to, you know, get ready now. Just take a deep breath so you can yell at me. I don't think black-on-black crime is that big of a deal. Not in the Candace Owens way, but in the mm-hmm. fact that it's not unique. Because basically right. anybody, Ooh, like, like white-on-white crime is basically the same rate as black-on-black crime. It is. Yeah. So it's basically they just use, like, the racists just use black-on-black crime as a way to defuse the situation. So if a white cop kills a black person, the first thing they say is, well, what about black on black crime? Well, what about white on white crime? Because it's well, pretty much at the same rate. The standard. My whole thing, I'm like, I'm with Trevor Noah on that. The leadership is supposed to be the standard. So if you look at, you know, if you look at um, like how teachers are supposed to be an example to students, mm-hmm. parents are supposed to be an example to their kids. Like, Police are supposed to show the value of human life. Y'all niggas, if y'all, are, if y'all are killing black people left and right, then 
obviously you don't value black lives so of course like i mean if you look at it on that scale then naturally like people are not going to value their own lives and going to feel that it's equally disposable right but i mean it it all depends i mean and and put it like this you know kind of you know sloppy segue here when we talk about defunding the police, you know, in these situations where you have cops who don't value life in general, not even just black lives, but life in general, but they just kill black people disproportionately, you know, people are like, oh my God, what are we going to do without police? I'm like maybe fear death a little less. How about, how about we start with that? Okay. Like I said, I live in a quiet, peaceful town, but my people who live in uh, Atlanta, people who live in uh Jacksonville, people who live in Chicago, Memphis, Oakland, you know, they don't, they don't have the same experience that I have with the police. You know, they, we found out, I found out today, Oakland, 40% of their towns, of their city's budget is spent on police. 40% of their budget is spent on police. You know, that's absolutely ridiculous. In a lot of major cities, and even though we cracked on New York for spending $6 billion on their cops, they were like, that's only like less than 10% of their budget. Oakland, and there's a lot of other cities, Oakland, Chicago, who were hitting that 40% mark. Yep, basically all the, black, the blackest cities you can think of. Yeah. So you look at it like this, Minneapolis, right? Their mayor got booed off the stage, right? And... I wasn't going to talk about this because it was to be expected, but it was one thing that he did that pissed me off. His name is uh, Jacob Frey, right? And he's the, the mayor of Minneapolis. He looks like he looks like he's like 30 years old. He looks young. But then again, it's hard to tell because he was wearing a mask, right? Okay. And they had him sort of, so, and I, I'll give him props for showing up though, because the protesters were kind of pissed. They weren't like, you know, angry mob with pitchforks and stuff like that, but they wanted to hear from him. And a lady, you know, the lady who was leading the protest, you know, she had the megaphone and she had a microphone for him. And she just said, hey, listen, we have a yes or no question for you. Yes or no. Will you commit to defunding the Minneapolis Police Department? Here's what this slime bag did. Talk about Jacob Frey. He said, uh, you mean abolish the police? And she no. said, no, uh, defund. She so said, we don't want... Uh, no more people with guns, you know, toting around our neighbor, in our communities and shooting us down, right? So do you, yes or no question, do you support defunding the police? And then they, they um, and then when the people started, uh, you know, getting a little bit raucous, she was like, you know, she was telling them to quiet down because we need to hear this answer because he's up for election next year. And, and they had to bleep this part out. And then they were like, because if he if he says the wrong answer, you know what the fuck we gonna do? We gonna vote him out. So, yes or no question: Do you support defunding the police? And his answer was: I do not support the full abolition of the police department. That is not what she asked about. And after that, the people wow. they and they then just bounced. They well, he didn't really bounce like you know like drop the mic and walk away. After that, the, they started chanting, go home, Jacob, go home. And then after a while, they're like, shame, shame, shame. They, 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 they booed them. They literally, they literally, oh, I love it. 
Damn, I need to see a clip of that. I need to. Did you put that in the group chat? That's hilarious. No, no, I, I couldn't find. I couldn't find. I was watching it in one of the other shows. I couldn't find a raw clip of it, but I'll I'll do the clip. No, that, I that shit. That sounds uh, hilarious. I definitely want to watch that. But he he just he just walked out like like Charlie Brown, just like you could almost hear the music in the background, the Peanuts music as he's walking away. Like, oh god, this dude. It's because he tried to be a slime bag about it. She said defund, he said abolish. No one's looking yeah. to abolish the police. Yeah, like the, nobody said that at all. Stop, stop saying that dumb shit. But I, I actually pulled, now I will say this, the town I live in, the town of Cary in North Carolina, there's about 168,000 people. And I decided to look up our state budget, right? To find out how much money we spend on the police. Okay. I, it, you know, 168,000 people, that budget, the, the budget thing that they put up there, and it's easy to find. You just put town to carry North Carolina budget and there's a whole, and it has like budgets from the last like 10 years that you could look over there. I'm pretty sure every town is the same way. It's just transparent. It's like, oh, okay. You want to know how your money's being spent? Boom. Here's how your money's being spent. You know, and we spend about... $24 million per year on the police. Now, it doesn't include emergency services, you know, like 911 and stuff, like the dispatchers and stuff like that. That's another few million dollars. But actually, they spend slightly more money on the fire department. We spend more money on the fire department than we do on the police department. What by, I like, by like maybe like 100 grand. <laughs> so it's not like a huge difference. Both is over over $24 million. But what about education? I didn't get to that part yet. <laughs> I'm really curious, like, where education, especially I, I, in Cary, because Cary, mm, it's Wake County public school systems, but at the same time, it's like, mm. Yeah, because, I mean, I live across from the, from the uh, middle school. Middle school, and then the high school's up the street. Yep. Yeah. So I'm really curious, like, where Carrie ranks in that. Um, but when I think of nice schools, I do think of Carrie. When I think of nice, a, a lot of nice things, I think of Carrie, but definitely. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're saying that Carrie's budget on the police department is $24 million, or North Carolina as a whole is $24 million? No, 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 for, for just Carrie. For just $24 million on a police department of a population of 128000 Oh, well, 168,000, but close enough. Yeah. And, and like I that's said, that's crazy. not, and that's not including the, uh, the dispatchers. That's a whole separate thing. Cause you know, dispatchers, they either call, you know, I was telling my dad yesterday, it was like, when you call 911, they don't, I mean, if, you, if there's a fire and you call 911, they're not going to send the cops. They're send the fire department. If you're having chest pains, you call 911, they're not going to send the cops. They're going to send an ambulance, you know? So that's like a different, you know, a, a different thing, but because I'm like, oh, I mean, and it was only like a couple million dollars for the dispatchers, you know, because basically they just tell people where to go. But yeah, about $24 million. And then, like, and, and then the fire department, another $24 million, you know. Do they do a breakdown of how the $24 million is being spent? Like how much is payroll, how much is building maintenance, stuff like that? They didn't go and they didn't say, I think they put it down as personnel. And that's where a lot of that money went. And I imagine that also goes into pensions and stuff like that. You know, they didn't do a full breakdown of it, but. 
it, you know, it, it, it was a lot of numbers. <laughs> I was just, I, and I, I downloaded it because I'm going to read it later on and try to parse to it a little bit more. But, you know, it didn't even dawn on me. Like, yeah, I, I think I might have skipped the education. I was just looking for the police part. I just skipped over the education part. But they basically just have every part, you know, like the, like the Cary Theater, the parks, and then the sanitation, um, you know, stuff like that. And then Cary has its own, uh, has its own water. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of stuff in there. And I figure, and this is only for a town that has 160,000 people in it. So imagine the budget for like Oakland, California, you know, or, or Seattle, Washington. Or something. Well, here in Durham, I budget is 70 million, but we have a town hall meeting tonight to decide what we're going to do with it. Yeah. And I think it's good that the people get involved in that process because it's it's their tax money, you know, and you know, and then, and then they also broke down how you how they figure out the taxes, you know, the property taxes and stuff like that. I think for, I think for us, I think for us, it was like thirty five cents for every hundred dollars your home is worth, which feels like a lot. <laughs> it feels like a hell of a lot of money at thirty five cents per hundred dollars when houses are usually like 170,000 and up, you know, going up to, you know, four or five, 600,000. So yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy. Almost feel like just to survive, you gotta, you gotta sell your body. Sloppy segue. I was watching um, Young Turks and they were talking about Tucker Carlson and Tucker Carlson is possibly one of the most disgusting human beings that I could think of next to somebody like Candace Owens or Bill O'Reilly, you know? Tucker's extra disgusting because you figure people like Candace Owens, you know that they're, they're, they're doing it for money. You know, Bill O'Reilly didn't get rich until he got on Fox News. Tucker Carlson was already rich. He came up in money. Those shitty-ass Swanson home dinners that they sell in the supermarkets, that's his family. He's like the heir to, the, to, to, to Swanson frozen dinners. So they got money. He had billions of dollars before mm. he started working for Fox News. Swanson tastes so good in my tummy, yeah. <laughs> I always stayed away from Swanson. I was more of a uh, Stouffer's person, <laughs> even before the whole Tucker Carlson thing, even before I found that out. I was thinking that you were more of a banquet person, but okay, that's good to know. When it's on, <laughs> when it, when it's on sale, I mean, banquet is basically the uh, – the little Caesars of, uh, of, of those types of meals. But, you know, when it's on sale, I'll pick up a couple. <laughs> but um, Tucker Carlson went off on prostitution in a very specific way. Um, he was doing a story about how college students were uh, going into prostitution in order to pay their tuition, Right. And it's not like they're going out on the street corner and doing stuff like this. I, I did a little bit of a reading up on it. This is from an older article from, uh, from 2017, okay? Uh, I think uh, Huffington Post put this out. So I'm gonna read this part here. I want you to bear with me. Um, last summer, three interns at the Coalition Against Trafficking in Women, uh, a very barren from, uh, from Hunter University, Sarah uh, Farrakwai from Northwestern University, and Rafaela Kunz, K-U-N-Z-E, from Brown University, initiated extensive research on the sugar dating website Seeking Arrangement. Seeking Arrangement is the name of the site, okay? Oh, yes, I do know. One of, one of many sugar dating sites. 
Seeking arrangement bashes very young women defined as sugar babies with sugar daddies. Older men with money who pay for college tuition, interstate and international trips, or goods in exchange for a quote-unquote sugar relationship. These young women share their thoughts about how millennials navigate conversations about prostitution, pornography, sexual harassment, and violence against women. Now, I will say this, okay? I, I have friends, like close friends. Two of them have daughters who turned 18 this year and they're going off to college, you know? And I guess because I've, I've known so many kids, not just my, my close friends around me, but my nieces and nephews, you know? I mean, I have nieces who are in their mid to late 20s. You know, I have uh, one of my nieces just started college uh, last year, you know, out in New York. You know, my nephew is in, um, he just turned 19, you know, he's in college. So just the thought of, let's just say I was into that sort of thing. Well, let's just say I had money <laughs> and I was into yeah. that sort of thing. It kind of goes together. <laughs> money, money, no game. Yeah, you can't be on, you can't be on these sites with coupons. With, with a book of coupons, you got to have money to get these girls uh, attention. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory way, they're, just, they're trying to pay the tuition. So let's just say, what if, what if one day I got on that site and I saw one of my friend's daughters on that site because they can't pay for college? Because here's the thing. These are bright young women, but everybody is bright these days because everybody wants that scholarship. No one wants that millstone of tuition around their neck, you know, and having to pay for tuition and all that stuff. So you could be a straight A student and still not get a scholarship. Absolutely. So there are a lot of bright people who are, who work their asses off all throughout high school and still can't get a scholarship because the competition is so high. Right. So I look at it like this, right? Why I'm mad at Tucker Carlson for this and bringing this up because Tucker Carlson basically just has no solutions. And Tucker Carlson doesn't realize that he's part of the problem, that he is supporting the people who are making college impossible for these kids. If you ever get a chance, Hassan Minaj, he used to be on The Daily Show. He has a show on Netflix called uh, Patriot Act, right? And it's a great show. And now, you know, he used to do it in front of a live audience. Now, of course, because of COVID, he's doing it uh, in his basement or wherever it is. But it's still good. They still do a good job. And I watched an episode yesterday where he talked about college and about getting a college degree and is it even worth it? And the thing about getting a college degree is it's worth it, but it's also not worth it. Because getting a college degree doesn't matter. Oh, say again? Oh, no. I, was, yeah, I don't know who that was that, that cut in. But yeah, you were saying getting a college degree doesn't do what yeah. now? I mean, you figure like this. In I was talking to um, some, some friends of mine. I was talking to my brother. Uh, it was a couple of years ago. And, you know, he lives in Maryland. I've been trying to get him and his family to move out to North Carolina forever, you know. And I said, I feel kind of bad because, because, you know, in North Carolina, they don't treat teachers good out here. His wife is a teacher. She teaches elementary school. And I said, they don't treat teachers good out here in North Carolina. So I feel bad about having you come out here. I mean, he's, in, he's you know, computer genius, so he'll be fine. But she'll be struggling. And he told me, he was like, look, they don't treat teachers good in Maryland either. He was like, I don't know how much money you make per year but I guarantee you make more than my wife and she has a goddamn master's degree in education. Right. You know, so 
there are people who are out there getting these degrees and not really getting ahead like they should. But the problem is, if you don't have a degree, <laughs> oh, you may as well just can it. But then if you're trying to get an education, then you get that millstone around your neck. Exactly. And now, thanks to my main man, Slick Willie, Bill Clinton, and his wheeling and dealing, you can't even escape it when you retire because if you default on your loans, uh, they can garnish your Social Security for it. Wow. That was one of the deals that Slick Willie made. And I found that out. And I was like, yo, you got to be fucking kidding me. That's, that's absolutely ridiculous. Especially if, you, if you've been paying the whole time. Right. Right. You know? So, I've been paying for someone else. You know what I mean? Like, to be retired. And I can't retire, even though I put into the system. Yeah. You know how many, like, you know, I, I work customer service. You know how many, like, 67-year-old women who I talk to who still have to go to work? Who were calling me and they were like, you know, I, I they cut my hours because of COVID. I'm looking at their age on the on the screen. I'm like, yeah. sixty seven years old. Why? And then I was like, you know what? I know exactly why you have to work. Yep. Back in in the days, like that's why people were so mad at, at, at boomers because back in those days, you could actually have you could support your family, you could support a family of five on a on a factory job. You know what I mean? You didn't really need a college education. You, you need a college education if you wanted to be a journalist. You know what I mean? Or a dentist or some shit like that. Yeah, but, but school if you was could, a luxury. Yeah. School was a luxury. And school was dirt cheap. You know why? Because it was subsidized. So when you get some, some old codger talking about, well, I can't understand why you kids are having such a hard time. I work part-time at the donut shop and paid for my college in two years. Hey, shut the fuck up, old man that I made up just to yell at. Um, your school was subsidized back then. That's why people hate on boomers now because the generations before them laid out the, the groundwork so they could have it easy, which is what you're supposed to do. But then they just ate it all up like locusts. And now none of, none of, the, stuff, none of the stuff that they had that was easy is there for kids now. You have somebody like Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan's dad died when he was a teenager, right? His mom was a homemaker. How did they get by? Social Security payments. What did Paul Ryan spend his entire career trying to do? Cut Social Security. You know? So these kids, these millennials, are fucked. So now when you have someone like Tucker Carlson, that bow tie wearing jackass, even though he doesn't wear bow ties anymore, you know, basically Tucker Carlson, when he used to wear those bow ties, he just looked like a serial killer in training. Like if you just looked at a whole room full of people and you see Tucker Carlson with that stupid look on his face and the stupid ass fucking bow tie, you're like, yeah, that dude's gonna kill people. Like a good guy. Yeah. Like you a know. good guy with um from uh, Child's Play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what he looks like. And and he has this whole indignant thing going on. But the thing is, Tucker Carlson is part of the problem. Let me ask Tucker Carlson is so worried about what these girls are going through. Motherfucker, you work for Fox News. Your boss used to used to literally rape these women. Okay. Now, one thing I will say though is, well, never mind. I kind of thought through that. I was going to say, like, it might 
it might still help. The thing I was going to say, probably the biggest pro of even aside, like, I don't believe in shame in sex workers. No. Whether they're like a pretty woman type of sex worker, like walking the strip or they're on a sugar baby site, whatever. Like if you're a sex worker, that's your business. Just be safe. I do think um, the thing I kind of like about this, not saying that like prostitutes can't be raped, but I do feel like this will avoid a lot of me too shit, like 50 years in the future from now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it'll be like, well, I met her on the site and here's all the documentation. Like that information will be stored. And and again, that's not to say that like a woman can't just change her mind like at the very last second, but I feel like it'll at least like avoid that next wave, that next generation dealing with shit because most of it will be documented. I mean, they should just make prostitution legal, not so I can really? indulge in prostitution, for real, for real. but 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 just to make it safe for all involved. Like Brazil yep. used to have a huge AIDS problem, right? Now prostitution is still illegal in Brazil, but they kind of did this. It was kind of this weird gray area where it was like, okay, we know prostitution is illegal, but if you kind of, but you could still kind of work with the government in order to get, uh, do things to keep your job safe. Because what are you going to do? Lock up, lock up all these women all the time? No, they just kind of did it like a... Yeah, not to mention, like, if if those women have kids or anything like that, now you got to figure out the logistics of, like, well, what are we going to do with these kids? Yeah. And the system. So it was kind of what I call a gray market deal because prostitution is still illegal in Brazil, but they somehow allowed these uh, these sex workers to work with the government in order to make their jobs safer and it and it lowered the AIDS rate. Because at one point, Brazil's AIDS rate was like at like Africa levels, like in the 90s, you know? Mm. And they worked with the government in order to get it down. And the reason why that came on my radar is because some US companies were suing Brazil in like in world, I guess you can call it world court for lack of a better term, because they were um, selling like generic drugs, like generic versions of their AIDS medications. And, you know, they were, you know, and these places, you know, these companies were suing and the world courts were like, word, is that how we gonna do things now? Denied. <laughs> these are life-saving drugs and you're mad because you don't get, because you didn't get your cut. Fuck out of here. But people like Tucker Carlson, they support the people who are making these students' lives miserable. You know, Donald Trump is the one who put Betsy DeVos in charge. And Betsy DeVos is cutting any little thing she can to make students' lives easier. She's doing it. That's, that's Tucker Carlson's people. So when Tucker Carlson gets on his soapbox and starts talking about, oh, your daughters are selling their bodies, shut the fuck up, Tucker Carlson, you fucking jackass. Your people who you worship are the ones who are creating the situation where these kids have to do that. And he doesn't even, I mean, he, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not stupid. He just doesn't care. That's the problem with people like Tucker Carlson. I, I, I can't say he doesn't read. I know he reads because he reads a teleprompter all day. That's his job. You know, I will, I, I do want to do one fun thing before we go on to more serious stuff. Um, you guys know a, a metal band called Rage Against the Machine? Yes. Yeah. I remember, like, well, there's two things 
no, that wasn't them. But okay, so then there's one thing I remember about about that band. I just remember them uh, at the MTV Awards. Like one of the front men was on. They had like a prop on stage, and he climbed up on it and was rocking on it. I just remember one of their band members cutting up at the MTV Awards from that. That is really all I remember about Rage Against the Machine. And I know they're a rock band, but that's about it. Real, real quick segue. Uh, if well, it wasn't funny because he hurt himself pretty bad. But the funniest uh, MTV uh, Music Award moment for me was when uh, Nirvana was on. Of course, it was like you know back in the early '90s, and the bassist took off his the uh, took off his bass and threw it in the air and tried to catch it, and it hit him in the head. <laughs> he got a concussion. <laughs> he knocked. He literally knocked himself out on stage. And I was like, I don't know what he was thinking because a bass is not light. Guitars are not light, you know? Basses in particular. And he just whips up in the air. He tries to catch it. And it just right in the head. <laughs> and he just it is knocked him out. He's like dazed, like walking across the stage. Doesn't know where he is. I was like, oh, music videos. We miss you so much. <laughs> Vivo is just not the same. But I, I, I saw an article which made me laugh out loud. And it was kind of like on The Simpsons where, uh, and I, I, I forgot to go back today. It was part of my list of things to do. They had, they had like a, a contest in, in Springfield on The Simpsons. And one of the judges was Maya Angelou. And I always wanted to find out who was really Maya Angelou up there on, you know, in that episode. Because sometimes they stay surprised. You're like, oh shoot, Maya Angelou's on that episode. I got to find that out. But Mo, the bartender, sees Maya Angelou and he goes, wait, Maya Angelou's black? <laughs> and I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. But it was just like, oh, you know, it's kind of like these Republicans were, were actually mad because they found out that Rage Against the Machine, uh, that they're into politics. And I was like, yeah, every song they do is political. Every album. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's right there in the name. Yeah. And one of my friends posted something. I'm paraphrasing. I'm pretty sure I'm butchering it because I didn't have it in front of me. But they were like, when they say rage against the machine, what machine did you think they were raging against? The washing machine? The gumball machine? You know, their second album was called Evil Empire. What evil empire do you think they were talking about? Um, you know what I mean? Like, like, what, like, what did you think was going on in their music? And it just goes into the whole thing that conservatives don't read. I'm not going to be a jackass and say they don't know how to read. I'm just saying that they just don't do it. Ever. Ever. How could you not know Rage Against the Machine is political? One of the first songs, like, a song on their first album called Killing in the Name was actually written about, because um, they formed in the early 90s. And one of the first songs they did was Killing in the Name, which ended up on their debut album. It was basically about um, the Rodney King beatings. Hmm. You know? And I, I don't have the lyric in front of me, but he was like, those who joined forces are also the ones who burn crosses. You know? And it was based, I mean, everything they do is political. So when they're just sitting there like, Oh, I wish I wish they wouldn't be. I, you know, I hate when Rage Against the Machine just talks about politics. Then you hate the band because every song is political. Yeah, every song is political. There are pol 
And I think it's because uh, Tom Morello, who was the, uh, the lead guitarist, said something on Twitter. And then people were just like, why, why you always got to be so political all the time? fuck are you talking about have you he's like have you listened to our music <laughs> everything we do is political like they just don't read it's it's absolutely baffling you know and and i will say one other one other quick fun thing before I, we get into the last story today melania trump i can tell you right now i don't think very highly of melania trump at all really i i'm so shocked yeah but they're writing somebody. I think somebody from the, from the post is writing a book about her. So this is from uh, uh, the post. I th- I forget what article I got this from. But bear with me here. A new scrupulously reported biography by Washington Post reporter Mary Jordan counters this perception, arguing that the first lady is not a pawn, but a player, an accessory in the second as much as the first sense. And a woman able to get what she wants from one of the most powerful and transparently vain men in the world. The book is called The Art of Her Deal. Oh. For this book, Jordan interviewed more than 100 people, including Melania's Slovenian childhood acquaintances, staff members at Donald Trump's uh, properties, players in New York and Paris modeling world, and one-time Trump insiders like Chris Christie, Roger Stone, and Anthony Scaramucci. She also spoke briefly to the First Lady in the course of her reporting on the 2016 election. The result, and I'm going to read this in my gooey voice, the result is a convincing case uh, that those who dismiss her as nothing more than an accessory do not understand her or her influence. What influence? Be best? Get the fuck out of here with that stupid ass fucking horse shit. Now, I know you might be wondering, why would I be talking about this, right? Who gives two squirts of piss about, about the third lady of the United States? Sure. But there was one thing that, I, and I think, we, I think we glossed over it on Saturday, but in the book, she basically held her marriage hostage to get a better prenuptial deal for herself. She claims it was for her son, too. And there was some things about her son wanting to be treated equally to the, uh, to the rest of Donald Trump's grown-up jizz, but it's basically more about her. So, of course, when she found out about the Access Hollywood tape about Donald Trump saying, you know, I don't even wait. I just grab him by the pussy, you know, and when he talks, and of course, the affair with Stormy Daniels. If you remember, when he first became president, she didn't move him to the White House right away, right? She stayed in New York with Barron because she said, well, Barron's got to finish school. It was really because she was trying to renegotiate her prenuptial agreement, right? And get, more, and get more money out of it. So basically Donald Trump could not face the, I mean, Donald Trump is just an, he, he's just an embarrassment on all levels. Like he stands, like he had to go to standing school and then like flunked on the first day. They show you him drinking water. You know how Donald Trump drinks water? He drinks water like a, like a raccoon trying to drink from his from a, a, a plastic cup you know <laughs> he's got like both hands and he's got his tongue out like you know he, he's he's just they had a they had a video of him he had to walk down a ramp and the ramp had a, a slight incline and he's literally like trying not to fall over you know and i'm like he's such he embarrasses himself all the time they show you him on Air Force One when he's going up Air Force One. He had like toilet paper stuck to the bottom of his shoe. He 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 never 
hesitates to find a way to look like a jackass. That would have been multiplied times 10 if he got divorced during his first year in office. Times 10, easy. Times 10 multiplier of all the embarrassing stuff that he's done if Melania divorced him during that first year. So she used her leverage in order to get more money out of her prenup. Now, it's, and somebody said this, that she is actually an honest to goodness, true Trump. That is basically a Trump move. Even though she married into the family, that is beyond a shadow of all doubt, a Trumpian move. <laughs> to literally grab him by his moldy, sweaty, maggot-infested balls and then just squeeze and then just get what she wanted. So they talk about like, you know, like, like she shapes policy. No, she doesn't. All Melania, like I said it before and I'll say it again, all Melania ever wanted to be was a wealthy widow. That's it. She didn't want to be third lady of the United States. She just wanted to, to marry Donald and then Donald would die and then she would get money. And that's it. Figure it like this. Melania is 50 this year, right? Donald Trump is 74. They got married in 2005. So at the time, Melania was 35 and Donald Trump was 59. Let me ask you a question. What 35-year-old marries a 59-year-old out of love? I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure that story might be out there. I'm pretty sure oh, if, I, if I if like I if I do, what he look like. Yeah, but Donald Trump. But not mm-hmm. Trump. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Donald Trump has the personality of like a child molester who's also a necrophiliac. Like that's Donald Trump's personality. Okay. He, and you think it's like it's like what Nas said about Jay Z? You think you're getting girls because of your looks? No. I think you're I'm not an ugly billionaire. I'm cute. There's no such thing as an ugly billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> Jay-Z has been said that. Yeah, so. I'm May, uh, I'll put it like this. Maybe Steve Mnuchin. <laughs> Maybe Steve Mnuchin. But then again, Steve Mnuchin's been married like four times, so he must be doing something right? I don't know. They, they just keep marrying him for his money. But the fact that they're trying to, that they're going out of their way to make Melania look like she's some sort of power player. I'm like, it's a a waste of trees to make this book. Like we could use that trees, you could use those trees to make like placemats for restaurants where kids could draw mazes. That would be a better use of those trees than to make a book trying to make Melania look good because she's lied about just about everything else. They were like, Melania speaks five languages fluently. No, she doesn't. She does not. You know, everything about Melania. She barely got a grasp. She barely got a grasp on English. (laughs) Every time Melania, every time they let Melania decorate the uh, the hall for Christmas, it always looks like a a Serbian murder scene. (laughs) The colors are all jarring and unnerving like it just it's just so uncomfortable like why are the christmas trees blood red melania why does it remind you of your childhood like jesus christ i i just thought that was funny because i'm like why would you why would you waste the time here's one thing that's not funny uh coronavirus my segues have been terrible today i just want you to know that but um 
there was a gentleman named Michael Floor, F-L-O-R is his last name. And at the time, he was the longest hospitalized COVID-19 patient, right? They thought he was going to die. Like, that's how bad he had it. And he actually did not die. They dubbed him the, the miracle child, right? And according to the article, they said now they can also call him the million-dollar baby. So Michael Floor, who's 70, and this is from... Uh, you know what? I kept forgetting to put where I got these articles from, but this is from an article. I didn't write this part. <laughs> so Floor, who's 70, came so close to death in the spring that a night shift nurse held a phone to his ear while his wife and kids said their final goodbyes. But he's now recovering nicely these days at his home in West Seattle. But he says his heart almost failed the second time when he got the bill from his healthcare odyssey the other day. He said, I opened it, and I said, holy shit. Yes, they censored it on the article. Um, the total tab for his bout with the coronavirus was $1.1 million. $1,122,501.04 to be exact. All in one bill that's more like a book because it runs, uh, the bill was 181 pages. Now, the bill is technically an explanation of charges, and because Floor has insurance, including Medicare, he won't have to pay the vast majority of it. In fact, because he had COVID-19 and had a different disease, he might not have to pay anything, okay? A quirk of this situation. Now, but it's, but he said, for now, it got him and his family and friends marveling at the extreme expense and bizarre economics of the American healthcare system, okay? This is also from the article. Just the charge for his room in the intensive care unit was billed at $9,736 per day. Due to the contagious nature of the virus, the room was sealed and could only be entered by medical workers wearing plastic suits and headgear. So for 42 days, he was in this isolation chamber for a total charge cost of $408,912. He was also on a mechanical ventilator for 29 days with the use of the machine bill of $2,835 per day for a total of $82,000. About a quarter of the bill is drug costs. The list of charges indirectly tells the stories of Flora's battle. For the two days when his heart, kidneys, and lungs were all failing and he was nearest death, the bill runs for 20 pages and totals nearly $100,000 as doctors quote unquote were throwing everything at me that they could think of. All in all, there are nearly 3,000 itemized charges, about 50 itemized charges per day. What the fuck is going on? So imagine if he didn't have COVID-19. Imagine if he had uh, anything else and was in the hospital for that long. Other, other countries don't do shit like that. Other countries don't overcharge people by that astronomical amount. So yes, they overcharge people because they have deals with the insurance companies, right? So that's how they get their cut. You know, they overcharge and then so they can get more out of it. So it's almost like saying, uh, how much does an apple cost? I've, I've never bought an individual apple before. Um maybe like 89 cents a dollar okay. somewhere between an 89 cents and a, a boat 20 so let, let's just say a dollar for argument's sake right sure. but that's like saying 
all right, if I'm the only person that sells apples and the apple costs a dollar a piece, I just sell for $20 a piece, you know? So yes, the insurance is going to cover it. And then you only have to pay uh, $4 for the apple. $4 for an apple that would normally cost a dollar, you know? But then you look at the bill, like, well, it was $20. Mm-hmm. And now, now because of insurance, now the apple is only $4 for an apple that would normally cost a dollar any other place on the planet. If you go to Canada, if you go to England, you know, people, uh, there are some people who want us to have an NHS style uh, healthcare system. In, the, in, in England, um, all healthcare workers work for the government. So all doctors, all nurses work directly for the government. Do I think we're ready for that? No. no. Would I mind it? No. No. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that at all. But, you know, they, uh, they had this thing where they were reading bills off to uh, people in England, like American medical bills, and they were reading it to people in England. And people were, were and then, I mean, no, not they were reading it off, but they were asking them, how much certain things cost. And then when he would told them like mm-hmm. how much it costs in America, they were just like, fuck this. And, and when one girl said the same thing, she was like, oh, well, I guess you just have to die then. Cause how are you supposed to pay this off? So I guess you're just dead, <laughs> you know? And people in England, you know, they have their complaints about the NHS. They would have complaints about any system, but mm-hmm. they wouldn't trade, but they wouldn't trade it for the world. Nope. Because the alternative <laughs> is we got to pay for this shit now. <laughs> I, I had to stay overnight in the hospital because I had a bad reaction to some new medication I was taking. They took, uh, they took tests overnight. And then in the morning, they gave me little tiny pancakes and they were like, all right, Mr. Prescott, you know, have fun, go home, live your life. And then they sent me a bill for $15,000. And that was just the one bill, right? Every person who, who poked me in the ribs sent me a bill. The ambulance ride, the ambulance sent me a bill. The person who read my EKG, $789, you know? And that's all, that's not part of the $15,000 bill. All that stuff was separate. So that set me back like a few thousand dollars just for that one visit. And I have insurance, mind you. I have my shitty health insurance do my job. So overnight stay, when you took a bunch of tests, and they and they charged me fifteen grand just for the hospital stay, mm-hmm. of which the insurance paid thirteen thousand dollars of. So I still on the hook for two grand for an overnight hospital stay. So when I hear these people, when you have people like Joe Biden, and I was trying not to mention Joe Biden today because he hasn't really done shit today, but uh, when they start talking about being against Medicare for all. It's a non-starter. I, I was looking at Twitter at lunch today and I came across like four separate people just today, which is weird because I hadn't really been hearing a lot of chatter about it lately, but they were literally just like, look, if, uh, if a presidential candidate does not support Medicare for all, you're not getting my vote. You know, mm-hmm. this, this is the real deal for a lot of people out of anything outside of defunding the police, okay? Outside of that, the one thing that would make people's lives instantly better, like the next day your life is better, is Medicare for all. 
in so many ways it would make your life better. So this way, if you get sick, you don't have to be making life decisions. You don't have to worry about your kid's college fund if that kid gets sick. You know, you can live your life without worries. People worry about stuff like this. You know, what if I get sick? What if my wife gets sick? What if my kid gets sick? What's going to happen to us? I mean, this poor guy, uh, in the article, he was saying, um, he said uh, his quote, I felt guilty about surviving. He said, there's a sense of why me? Why did I deserve all this? Look, you know, looking at the incredible cost of it all, he said, it adds to my, it adds to that survivor's guilt. You know? So he was like, I held on all this time, right? Because my family loves me, but now we're eating a million dollar bill. Like I said, they're going to, insurance will take care of it but just the fact that they got a million dollar bill mailed to them you know the size of a the size of a, a manhattan phone book is just ridiculous you know but what are you gonna do quick question what album what albums are you bumping this week something some, something something a little fun before we sign off because we're we're out of time freddie gibbs uh, I think you would enjoy that as well, Les. I know how you feel about rappers. Um, <laughs> uh, I can't Let me look up the name of the project just to double check. But, oh, it's called Alfredo. I, I, great, great album. I just listened to it uh, yesterday. It, it was really good. I've heard some good things about Freddie Gibbs. I may, have to, I may have to give that a listen. One of my friends put me on when I made my little list of... Uh, of my best rap EPs. One of them put me on to a recent one from a dude called uh, Benny the Butcher. And I listened to a couple of songs. I'm like, okay, this is not bad. I may have to give the rest of this a listen. You know, of course, you know why, you know why I brought it up because I've been listening to Run to Jewels 4 pretty much nonstop since it came out last week. And then I went back and listened to Run to Jewels 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> <laughs> And we actually had this thing I put it on Facebook, like how, um, like basically. Um, That's funny that you actually brought up Benny the Butcher because the person who suggested I listen to Freddie Gibbs suggested, uh, that was the other, it was two album suggestions and those are the two that he suggested. I have not listened to the Benny the Butcher one. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I will like after the show, but um, yeah, I did like the Freddie Gibbs project, Alfredo. And, and you know who I'm kind of warming up to, and I and I know this should be a no-brainer. Um, Pusha T. Yeah. I, 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 I made a um. I you know I. I, <laughs> I make these playlists, and sometimes they'll uh, they'll just throw people on there, and a Pusha T song came on there. It was the oldest song, uh, Infrared, came on, and I'm like, I kind of like this. You know, I may have I may have to give Pusha T more of a more of a shot. You know, so what about you, Mr. Blue? What are you, what are you bumping this week? The same thing I bump every week, Ari Lennox. Okay. okay. Once, again, once again, I heard good things about Ari Lennox. I, I, I got to start giving more people a shot. I, there was a song from a dude, I forget his name, but a song called Living Like Khaled. And it came, it came out a few years ago. Only reason why I know is because it came on, um, when I was playing NBA 2K18, it was one of the songs that was on there. And on a whim, because they, they blot out most of the song because of the curses. And I'm like, 
maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe it might be good if I heard the whole song without all the stuff that they, that they blotted out. Nope, song's still garbage. Like I, you know, it's, you don't have to be rapping like hip hop, hip it, hip it, for me to listen to you. You know, I, I've evolved somewhat since the 70s, but you know, you just gotta be good, I guess. <laughs> you just gotta put some effort into it. You can't be like uh, little Uzi. Well, and 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 it's funny. My uh, my nephew had this. Uh, not Evan, one of my uh, my other nephews. He actually Evan. had this thing up about his favorite artist, and then he um, and and I was waiting for like, oh god, what was he gonna put up there? It better not be no little Uzi Vert. Don't be little Uzi Vert. And I think he put up like a uh, Kendrick Lamar's. Um, I forgot which album it was from him. I think it was Good Kid, Mad City. And I was like, okay, 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 I'm with you. Because <laughs> he knows how to get ready to the rag on him if he put up some stupid little nutsack or little doo-doo or whoever put up there. But he put up Kendrick Lamar as one of his favorite albums. I'm like, okay, I, I can rock with you on that. <laughs> Odie, what are your final thoughts? Stay your ass at home. And... Happy early Juneteenth. Friday is the day. I think most of us plan to get together um, in fellowship. Um, so I know it's going to be hard to stay home, but please stay home if you can. Um, and wear a mask if you do go out to protect everyone and yourself. Um, and I think the shot comes back this weekend. I look very much look forward to that. So, yeah, that's all I got. Mr. Blue, what about you? What are your final thoughts? Do your research. Don't always fall for what you see in media. Yeah, exactly. And when I dig a little bit, I find that a lot of stuff is just falsehood on media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've learned my lesson the hard way, like when I see people post stuff on Twitter without an article to back it up, it's always good to research it real quick before you repost it because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be part of it. I found myself doing something like that. Uh, there was something circulating in a group um, about Rich Dad, Poor Dad and the, the, the guy who wrote that book. And he was saying, like, even though I'm not familiar with his work, I honestly didn't really know, like, what his political preferences were or anything like that but those posts you know definitely solidify things for me but um yeah I saw a screenshot you know and sometimes the screenshots are manipulated so I actually went to his Twitter page just to see um if it was still up there and it, it was still up there so at least I was able to confirm it for myself but the first thing I do is click click the article and then look at the date then I look at the source um, if it's not a source I immediately recognize, and I look for that disclaimer that see, that tells me if it's just like a spoof page or if any of the information is accurate. Yeah. That's like the second thing I do. I, I always thought it was funny that when they had that, uh, that prank years ago that Sinbad, the comedian, died. And then Sinbad took it in good, you know, he took it in good humor. He was like, I wish I stayed dead long enough to sell some DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> So, Mr. Blue, play us off, sir. 
subscribe to the Evan Breakdown Podcast, and we out.